Welcome to the Strength and Dignity Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Bromley. During our time together, we will delve into all things relating to abuse, particularly domestic abuse. As a woman who has experienced abuse from the woman's perspective, this podcast is geared toward women and the unique challenges she faces when she finds herself in an abusive situation. What happens when she seeks godly counsel? Must she remain in bondage? Is she to blame for her abuse? It's time to find our voice and shine a light on an area which many want to keep in the dark. Let's dive in. Thank you for joining me on today's episode where we will tackle the topic, should I stay or should I go? How can I be sure? I want to begin by making it clear that I do not believe in, nor do I feel comfortable giving blanket statements on this, as far as simply encouraging every woman to leave. As I've said previously, this decision is between you and God. I have spoken with women from all over the world through my blog, and here are a few things that I have learned. Not all situations are the same. There are success stories, believe it or not, even though they are definitely far and few between. And if you do decide to leave, God is not going to be mad at you. There are so many factors that come into play. And like I said, I've definitely spoken to enough women who've been through this to know that I can't simply discount the stories that did end well and have seen miraculous change. It would be irresponsible for me to do that. At the same time, I never want to give anyone false hope. So I want to be cautiously balanced. We need to be prayerful and cautious always. This is such a hard situation to navigate. If you're in this situation, you already know. So many questions, so many doubts and fears, so many unknowns. And of course, we all want to do the right thing, right? We wrestle with this question of whether or not there's hope or whether or not we should leave. We want to please God. We want to keep our families intact. We want to be safe and be okay. We want to be happy and at peace. It's all so confusing. I've been there. I have. I remember feeling as though I knew I should go. And I wanted to seek godly counsel, of course. Many pastors encouraged me to stay. Or they were vague. I remember being told things like, If you leave, he may never take you back, so be careful. Or maybe you need to be silent. If he gets mad at you and yells at you, just don't respond. Some encouraged counseling, which we tried many times with several counselors, and which, by the way, is an absolute nightmare, especially when dealing with narcissistic traits or personalities. They lie and weaponize the sessions. It's traumatizing in and of itself. I can't really say that a lot of the godly counsel that I received was wise in all honesty. It wasn't that I was looking to hear something specific. I mean, initially, even after I left the first time, I was wanting hope. 
I was clinging to and wanting to stay, but much of the counsel I had gotten was anything but helpful, and some was downright dangerous. I'll never forget, when I was still in the most confusing stages of this storm, all of the counsel I had gotten had pretty much backfired and proven to not be wisdom. I still loved my husband, and I was so distraught not knowing what I should do. I recall pouring my heart out to God. I had an appointment set up with my old pastor. His sister-in-law was the secretary at my daughter's school, and she offered to set this up for me. I remember telling God how confused I was, how much I loved my husband, but also how the abuse and the daily anger and walking on eggshells that I was enduring was crushing me. I said to him, God, I need this pastor to speak your will for me on this matter. I need to know once and for all what you want me to do. Please let him speak your heart. Please let him speak your heart and the answer to my situation. I prayed this for weeks leading up to that appointment. And let me just tell you, God delivered. What this pastor said made more sense and held more wisdom than any other had spoken to me up until that point. I've since shared it with many people, and I want to share it with you because it was truly wise, biblical, and eye-opening. After this pastor listened to my story, he looked at me intently, and he told me very matter-of-fact, that I needed to leave without giving it a second thought, and he told me not to look back. He quoted 1 Timothy 5.8, which says that if any man provide not for his own, and especially for those in his own house, he is worse than an infidel. The scripture here is stating that if a man does not care for the needs of his family, first and foremost, above all else, that he has denied the faith. That is a stern warning. If we really think about the implications of that and meditate on those words, it is quite sobering. Care does not consist of mere financial or material obligations. Care requires the acknowledgement and concern for the entirety of a person, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, all of it. He is to care for, love, and provide for those who have been entrusted to his care. This pastor went on to explain that though he had seen situations like this improve, it was very rare. He said that in those rare instances where things did turn around, there were some strong and obvious indicators that would be consistently present. So what exactly were these indicators? Well, the first was brokenness. Brokenness over the abuse. Brokenness over their mistreatment. Brokenness at the wrongs they had done. And even more, brokenness at how much they had hurt your heart and how they had hurt God's heart. What does brokenness look like? 
I'm not talking here about merely being broken over losing due to our pride, but a true brokenness. Psalm 51.17 says that a broken spirit and a contrite heart God will not despise. This is when we are truly regretful over our wrongs, humble, and wanting more than anything to make things right. We are willing, when we are broken, to do whatever is necessary to that end. Our heart hurts deeply for the pain we have caused another. If we are broken, and our overwhelming desire is to submit in humility to doing the right thing. Getting to a place of brokenness requires consistent, humble examination of our lives and our actions. Has your abuser been broken over the way they treated you? Have they seemed utterly shattered and disgusted by their own behavior? Really think about that. Do not mistake the crocodile tears of a man who just doesn't want to lose control for true, genuine brokenness over one's actions. They are not the same. I know that in my own experience, my abuser could turn on the tears whenever needed. But there was always a limit. When tears wouldn't work, he might try shaming, blaming, anger, or intimidation. And he always seemed to backtrack on whatever words flowed along with those tears. So be cautious not to be fooled here. And also look for this next indicator mentioned by this pastor, and that is the presence and willingness for full accountability. A man who is willing and able for God to change his heart will be accountable before God and others as necessary. This means humbling himself to family, church leadership, and anyone else necessary to create a clean slate. For example, Did this person lie, cheat, make up stories about you in an attempt to excuse and hide their own wrongs? If so, this person should be more than willing to apologize and come clean, not only to you, but to all parties involved in their lies. In my own case, my ex had made up multiple lies about me to his family as to what drove him to his anger. I would often discuss with him my desire for us to all be in a room and have him clear my name, but he never took any steps to bring that about, and instead he would try to appease me by reassuring me that they all knew the truth. However, I always knew that they clearly didn't, as the real truth of their feelings toward me always came to light eventually. With narcissistic abusers, there is the infamous smear campaign, where they deliberately try to destroy and dismantle your reputation to save face. Have you been there? Are you walking through that now? Are they willing to set the record straight? Are they wanting to bring their own sins out into the open? Or are they still changing their stories to suit the particular audience and merely make themselves look good? Biblical accountability is based on God's principles and ideas of how we are to live and treat each other, and it means we are fully honest and accountable with God and others without making excuses for our behavior. It means that we know we are fully responsible for our actions when we are wrong. 
and we want to quickly make it right. A person shouldn't need to be coerced into accountability, but it should be their own heartfelt choice. Have you seen the evidence of this desire for true accountability? Have you seen it along with true brokenness? Let's see what else we should see if we're looking for that glimmer of hope. This pastor next told me that there needed to be absolute transparency. This means no secrets, whether it be phone calls, bank accounts, connections, or what have you. A spouse wanting to make amends and rebuild trust and confidence in them is willing to have everything brought into the light. They have no reluctance. Have you ever heard the saying, people who have nothing to hide, hide nothing? Well, there is a lot of truth to that statement. Are they willing to share bank statements, passwords, emails, or whatever it is that you would need to feel comfortable? Are they broken, accountable, and transparent? All of these need to be evident, along with one other indicator that this pastor shared with me. The final indicator that he shared was that this person, the spouse in question, would be willing to work diligently on himself, whether you remain in the picture or not. They're not just using the promise of change as a carrot to entice you back. They are going to work on the necessary changes in themselves, with or without you. Because after all, this isn't just about you, or even your relationship. It's about the condition of their own heart. Is your abuser broken, accountable, transparent, and eager to work on themselves for themselves, and by themselves? Are they desiring to take ownership of their abuse of you to God and others, completely apart from any hope of reconciliation? Merely because it is the right thing to do. Many of us who are in these situations can't honestly say, if we truly think about it, that all of these indicators are present. Maybe one or two, and maybe here or there, maybe on a good day, but not consistently, genuinely, and clearly present. This is how we can be sure that we likely do not have a candidate for change on our hands. Sometimes it's hard to accept this, but these are very strong signals, and they are worth prayerfully examining to see exactly the state of the relationship we're in. I wish I could say that in my own situation, I listened to this pastor's words of wisdom, but unfortunately, I did not. I was convinced in my mind that the words he spoke were true and wise and God-given, and I did leave that church with the resolve that I would never go back. But a few months later, I allowed myself to be manipulated again, and back I went. I should also add that my husband at the time enlisted the help of family and others to persuade me of his desire to make our marriage work. Even a pastor friend of ours gave me a call and put his two cents in. I also did not want to deal with the shame or stigma of yet another divorce. 
the church really has to work on this, as it's these mindsets which are instilled that help keep us bound in unhealthy, destructive, and dangerous situations. God does not want that for you. He does not want that for me. He wants us safe, happy, and whole, especially within our own homes. Yes, friends, I was manipulated by fake tears and what was essentially a man not wanting to lose control of me. He frequently backpedaled on his guilty admissions and would shift the blame back on me or try to excuse his behaviors somehow, some way. But because I wanted to believe him and wanted to hang on to my marriage, I went back for what became more abuse down the road. I do think that because of some work I did on myself, as well as some reading up on narcissism and abuse in general, that I was able to avoid blow-ups a bit, and initially things went well. I remember him, in the beginning, doing some hurtful things, not necessarily abusive things, but quickly coming to me in repentance, but unfortunately it did not last more than a few months or so, and even before that, if I'm honest, there was an incident where he threw a yogurt at me from across the room. Right away, I reached out to his mother. I knew that if there was any hope of things going differently this time, I'd need people coming alongside me, holding him accountable along with me. She was very agreeable with me the day we spoke. We had met for coffee at a truck stop, but sadly she did not prove to be of any assistance down the line. As time went on, it seemed I was living my life, trying to avoid stepping on landmines, and I even found that when I wouldn't engage, he would even get angrier as it was almost as if he needed to rage at me. He would try harder and harder to goad me into altercations, and if I wouldn't give in, he would still make his anger known by slamming things and stomping around the house like a bear so that no one could relax or be at ease if he was home. Thankfully, he wasn't often home, but when he was, he made sure to make my life miserable. I often would leave for a few hours hoping and praying that he would be calm by the time I got home. I learned that I should have listened to that pastor and not looked back. He could see from my story at the time when we spoke that there was no brokenness, no accountability, no transparency, and no desire to change for the sake of his own heart's condition. Don't make the same mistake that I did. Pray long and hard and be honest with yourself at the evidence before you. See what is there and not what you want to see. God was trying to set me free and I was returning to my own bondage at will. We do that sometimes in more ways than one, don't we? If you are agonizing over whether or not you should leave, or like I had done, you left and are trying to determine if you should go back, take heed of this very wise criteria. And remember, even if you are not yet willing for a divorce, you can always keep some safe distance and boundaries by remaining separated. 
I know that can bring about its own set of challenges, but just know that there are options. Please don't remain in an unsafe place. Your life is worth more. Your heart is far too valuable. Let's keep you and your children safe and protected above all else. This too is a virtue. I know that many in our current church culture see the virtue of keeping a marriage intact above all other virtues. Well, let me be the one to tell you that's just not reality. God values your life. He values you. You are his cherished daughter. Remember that. Do not even consider a marriage to be worth saving without that necessary criteria we just learned of. If you know someone who doesn't know if they should stay or go, whether they should return or remain apart, speak to them about what I've shared with you. It could save their life and at the very least spare them from many years of wasted time and anguish. As always, I thank you for joining me on this journey of healing, hope, and learning. Please go to the She is Clothed with Strength and Dignity blog on Facebook and consider giving us a follow if you haven't already for some great content. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We're just scratching the surface of abuse, and I have so much more in store that I believe will be of great value to you. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship, prized and valued. Let's walk in that. Please join me next week where we will discuss God hates abuse. Until next time, my sweet warriors, take care of yourself. You are worth it. You are precious in the eyes of God.